up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Thursday. It is, uh, it's Thanksgiving. It's actually Thanksgiving, and uh, I am certainly thankful uh, for a couple things. One, I'm thankful that my brother-in-law, whose house I'm recording this at, had a uh, hop, drop, and roll. Some of Charlotte's finest beer handed it to me the second I walked in. Pretty excited about that. So I get to record this podcast while drinking a hop, drop. Also thankful that Heath Cummings was willing to stick around the office in Fort Lauderdale and record this podcast. Heath, how you doing, buddy? How could I? This is the highlight of my week. Uh, is, is it, is it though, Heath? Is it? Um, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, like this is as good as it gets. Uh, well, that's very nice of you, Heath, to say, as I furiously adjust, um, as, uh, adjust levels on here. All right. So, um, let's get to it. Thanksgiving games. There are three of them. We're going to do a speed round for those people. And then we're going to get to weekend fantasy talk. Um, first up, Chicago, Detroit, Mitchell Trubisky trending like he won't play. Is there anybody you like in this game? And is there anybody you hate? Is there anybody you're eyeing for DFS purposes? I think there's only one start player in the entire game, and it's Kenny Golladay. Wow. Other than that, I, I, Allen Robinson's a number three wide receiver. I just think the whole, when you put Chase Daniel at quarterback for the Bears, the whole step of the game looks different to me. I would expect the Bears are going to be a little bit more conservative. I would expect that the Lions now maybe are not playing from down two scores for most of the game. And uh, they don't have a running back. I mean, Theo Riddick is a fine flex in PPR. I understand the upside of Anthony Miller and even Taylor Gabriel is deep flexes. But Gulladay is the only guy I'd call a mustard. Wow. Okay. That's a game to avoid for fantasy purposes. Marvin Jones and Carrion Johnson already ruled out. So you're obviously not going to start those fellas. Uh, what about the second game? Redskins, another, another, uh, backup quarterback, Colt McCoy. Redskins at the Cowboys. Redskins, seven and a half point underdogs. I actually like Washington, um, in this spot. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I would assume that Zeke Elliott is a must start here. Is there anybody else that qualifies in that realm? I don't know if I- it must start, but I'm sticking with Jordan Reed as the starting tight end. He actually looked better with Colt McCoy than he did with Alex Smith. And I don't know how much difference this makes because Smith has played so bad this year. I think you just look at what the passing options in this game have done, and it's going to be similar. The problem is it's been all terrible. So I'll, I'll start Adrian Peterson as a low-end number two running back, and I'll start, start Jordan Reed too. Okay. Um, and then finally, in the nightcap, this is what um, our friend Adam Azer would describe as the bonanza, I believe. It's the Saints hosting the Falcons. Saints are 13-point favorites. The over-under total is 60. I'm actually surprised it's not higher. And I actually I think that I, I like the over in this game, and I would expect a ton of points, particularly from the New Orleans side. Um, who's your... Who's your uh, must non-Drew Brees start? I mean, I guess Michael Thomas, Drew Brees qualified. Matt Ryan is a must start, I would assume. Julio Jones as well. Anybody on the fringes that you're starting or like for DFS purposes? I'm probably starting Calvin Ridley just because any point that we scored in this game. The interesting guy we're going to have to watch is Traquan Smith, who did not practice Monday or Tuesday. And if he plays, he's pretty much a flex for me. Okay, so Traquan Smith, you have interest in him uh, as a flex. He had a great game, of course, uh, the last time out for the uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Let's move on to anything else you want to add from the the, the Thanksgiving um, Thanksgiving action, like your favorite uh, favorite side that you like to eat for Thanksgiving. Oh, it's it's like give me a plate, half mashed potatoes and half turkey, and cover it all in gravy, and I'm good for the entire day. I'll just get another plate of that later. Um, 
DFS for the slate, the one guy I'll say that I think will be underowned and shouldn't be if he plays is Bruce Ellington. Uh, he got nine, nine targets. That's the way Stafford can survive is by dumping the ball off short. So I go Ellington. All right, Bruce Ellington there if you like it. Um, and Heath, if I, if I turn my camera off, it's because my Wi-Fi is being a little spotty here. My brother has nice beer. He doesn't – He apparently, no, I'm actually up in like the playroom. So he has, he has nice beer and a nice house. Uh, but the extender uh, needs a little work, such as life in Concord, North Carolina. Let's move on to the regular items from the regular week of fantasy. It's just for the weekend. So you got to play your stuff separately, you know. But you got to be smart about it. If you got guys that are – you know, think like if you got Trey Burton – and another tight end option, maybe you go with uh, Cameron Brait, for instance. I assume you would rather have Cameron Brait over uh, Trey Burton now that Jameis Winston is back. I would, and we, we got a little snarky message from Eric Kay about my uh, suggestion of Jameis and Cameron Brait. said that I burned him last time with that, but I'm going right back to Jameis Winston and Cameron Brait. 22% Tampa Bay Buccaneers targets this year have gone to the t- tight end position, and O.J. Hayward's the year, I expect Bray to be a, uh, a low-end tight end. Would you drop Trey Burton for Cameron Bray? I would. Okay, uh, interesting. Um, do you? Um, are you worried? Are you, how worried are you about starting Jameis himself? Because the the one problem I think you run into if you go with Jameis is, um, you know, what do you do if if he gets benched? Like, what if he throws four picks and he stinks and he gets benched? Are you uh, do you panic? I mean, that that's really the one problem I think. I would worry about if I was tossing Jameis out there. I'm going to be starting Jameis in a couple of leagues over Ben Roethlisberger, so I am not particularly worried. I, that, that What you said is not wrong. I don't think San Francisco's pass defense, which has given up at least 20 fantasy points to every quarterback but two, is that big of a risk to get Jameis benched. And it's almost like, to me, it feels like Dirk Cutters, he's, he's, lost, I mean, he's lost his job. He can only flip so many times. Like, how many times can you change your shirt before you finally say, F it, I'm just going to go out for the night in whatever I'm currently wearing. That's what Jameis Winston is. For me. On the other hand, maybe he knows he's lost his job. He's not going to coach again for a while anyway. And everyone will remember it if he changes quarterbacks four weeks in a row. <laughs> in the middle of the game. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I feel like Sean Wagner, our, our colleague at CBS, has been ripping Jameis apart since Jameis came in the league, and he and he, he like just publicly bashes Jameis, gets you know smacked, and he, he listens to the podcast. He's, he appears on the Sunday show too. Uh, gets crushed by FSU Twitter. He's in a conundrum where with Mahomes on a bye, or no, Jared, one of the guys on a bye, he has to either pick up, uh, he has to either start Jameis, Lamar Jackson, or. Um, or Dak Prescott. And I told him that it's a no-brainer you go with Jameis because I think he has by far the highest ceiling. And this is a win or win, win, to, win to get in or lose and get out game in him for the playoffs. So of those three guys, uh, Jameis is the easy pick, right? Well, Jameis is the easy pick, but with his history and track record, I think he should be shamed into using someone other than Jameis just because of everything that he's said in the past. He needs to stay consistent and use the worst option just to uh, be consistent. Well, that's who he's doing. He uses, he's using Dak Prescott, which is clearly the worst option. Uh, Dak- that, that is the, my, actually third for me amongst those three quarterbacks. So uh, he's, he's, he's following the game plan. I wasn't even kidding. I think Dak is easily the worst option there. Uh, and by the way, I would like to apologize to my brother's Wi-Fi. It turns out it was just me running 92 tabs of Google Chrome in the background that were causing any uh, any any lag there. So apologies to the listeners and to my brother-in-law, Jay, who's a, a, a real mensch, as, um, as, as I'm allowed to say. Uh, I believe. Uh, questionable quarterback situations to watch. What sort of questionable quarterback situations are you worried about? Uh, we talked about him on Thanksgiving. Mitchell Trubisky is one of them, right? 
Oh, yeah. Well, Trubisky, uh, we don't think is going to play now. And so that's definitely one of them. What does this offense look like with Chase Daniel? We've only seen a little bit of Colt McCoy. So talking about the Washington offense, which I think will mostly be fine. But then there's several more on Sunday. Ryan Tannehill's coming back for the Dolphins. And one of the guys I was really excited about in DFS and PPR was Danny Amendola because of how much he was targeted by Osweiler. They don't really have a lot of other options at receiver, but this could be a boost for Kenny Stills. If that's where Tannehill goes, he certainly has a longer history with Stills than he does with Amendola. And then you have the Monday night situation with Marcus Mariota. If I don't have clarity by Sunday morning over whether Mariota is going to play, and I don't really think he is, I'm not starting any Titans. I don't think you can. I don't think – I mean, Corey Davis falls off the cliff with Blaine Gabbert. Um, Derrick Henry is wholly touchdown dependent, and the, and the Texans' run defense is very good. And Deion Lewis has been, eh, the last two weeks. I mean, I, Lewis, Lewis is maybe the biggest concern for me because – I think in a, like a deep in a deep league, maybe or a PPR league, maybe you could toss out Jonu Smith and hope he gets checked down to a ton. Um, I mean, Deion Lewis. I, like, I feel like you would definitely start someone like Larry Fitzgerald over Deion Lewis, right? Absolutely. And there are a couple of that were available on the waiver wire. I'm starting over Gus Edwards and Josh Adams both. Yeah, Gus. Gus. I like I like Gus Edwards. Uh, Jason Lockerfora, you and I tweeted about this. Jason Lockerfora on on. Um, on Wednesday's show said that he thinks Gus Edwards is going to be the guy going forward. So that's interesting. I, I know you uh, threw a bunch of fab and I, I, I was seeing, I saw like uh, Evan Silva tweeted about it. He's like, man, people are like, people are putting out bids on Gus, Gus the bus. And so uh, it's either going to be Gus the bus or Gus the bus. I, I don't get, yeah, I don't get any bonus points in the playoffs for my remaining fab. <laughs> so I, I figure this is, this is the time of year when you've got a guy that maybe coming in as a number two running back starter get, get rid of it go drop the cash on him uh what about the rookie receivers these guys uh these guys are starting to sort of come around this this is a class that wasn't very heralded and now all of a sudden you got christian kirk is making plays for the cardinals uh michael gallup who's, who's i think is going to miss some time uh as a result actually i think he's going to play but he's dealing with the death in the family so you don't you want to be a little careful there uh anthony miller i mean this is actually a pretty good group right okay yeah, and you didn't even mention the guy I like the most there in Carolina, DJ Moore. And I'm a little bit biased because I thought coming into the year he was the best wide receiver on this team. Over the last few weeks, it certainly looked that way. Even when he was struggling with targets and receptions, he was playing the most snaps. Just broke out in a big way in a game which Devin Funches looked awful. And I, I think there's a chance going down the stretch that DJ Moore's a, a number two wide receiver. I think Kirk has an okay chance. But the one thing that's different from Moore from Mike, from Traquan Smith, from Anthony Miller, from Christian Kirk, from any of those guys, is there's not somebody that's definitively in front of him in the receiving core. That's a good point. And Funchess, by the way, Funchess is only viable. I drop Funchess all over the place. He's only viable when Greg Olson is out. He basically serves as a one uh, B tight end, and when Olson is out, he's very good. And when Olson is playing, uh, he's 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 terrible. And I think that DJ Moore is so valuable in how they move. The misdirection is so key because he can rush the ball and he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and and he can you know catch it short to make explosive plays. He's Cam Newton's guy. Um, bounce back, Eagles, Vikings. You're back in on these offenses. You're not. You're not. The Eagles aren't dead to you. Carson Wentz isn't dead to you. No, the the same thing happened to both of those guys in Week 11, and their offensive lines just got destroyed. And they have the perfect matchup to bounce back if that's the problem, because the Giants have 11 sacks all year. They don't get pressure on anybody. I think Wentz will sit in a queen pocket and just pick their secondary apart. Uh, and same kind of the same situation now for Kirk Cousins. 
I don't think the Packers without Mike Daniels are going to generate very much pressure either, and they can't cover Diggs and Thielen. So I think both of these offenses bounce back and score a lot of points this week. I think those are both teams are favored. The Eagles by six and the, the Vikings by three and a half. And I, I like the Eagles. I like the Packers a little bit. I'm starting to get worried. I think the I think the the Eagles and the Vikings could both end up on the on the on the right side of blowouts and end up you know maybe we're like oh all right Carson Wentz Carson Wentz is back after all because I think people are people are gonna start sitting him I don't think you cut him yet if you still have him he still has a nice schedule coming up um, you mentioned Danny Danny Amendola earlier uh, with Ryan Tannehill back does this ultimately become a a game where you trust Kenny Stills more because their deep ball connection was pretty good early in the season or do you think that they do try to stay focused on on using Amendola in that short in that short attack. We just don't know that Ryan Tannehill is 100%. That's the only reason I doubt Kenny Stills. I still like Amendola as a number three in PPR, and Stills is more of a deep flex boomer bust play. I think there's a better chance that he booms with Tannehill than with Osweiler, but I'm not quite ready to say that it's like it was before Tannehill got hurt. Uh, do I, so like when the Dolphins are dogs by eight points to the Colts, and the presumption is the Colts are going to be able to you know, put up some points against the Dolphins defense, run the ball, Andrew Luck will throw. I mean, you would think that the Dolphins are going to be trailing, and so there is some inherent value there for Tannehill and and, and that receiving court, right? I mean, like, it, it, like does the I, I don't know. It feels like the game script with that point spread makes sense, but the game script going to Indianapolis is sort of problematic because that doesn't feel like a shootout to me. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a very good situation for Frank Gore. Definitely looks like a Kenyon Drake game. But I, I think Amendola will be fine. I'm just kind of worried about the rest of the offense. Okay. Uh, so you're riding Amendola this week. I respect it. Who's getting left out in New England from a fantasy perspective? Uh, Gronk, I think, is going to be back, but probably limited. They're going to the Jets, nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Feels like a Sony Michelle game to me. Yeah, I, I wish I knew for sure who was going to get left out, but I will guarantee that one of them is going to because there's just not enough footballs to go around for Sony Michelle, James White, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, and Rob Gronkowski. I think you uh, Gronk is still obviously a must start because of the position. I just don't think the same upside exists. I'm going to buy into the connection we saw between Gordon and Brady before the buy and Brady has gushed so much about how much he likes having a receiver like Gordon. I'm a little worried about James White and Julian Edelman in non-PPR. In PPR, I think they'll both be fine still. Yeah, I think in PPR you have to start James White even if you are worried that the return of um, Sonny Michelle and, and the you know, and the emergence of other weapons are going to be there. James White's just been too good. What about with the Seahawks' backfield? Rashad Penny playing pretty well. Mike Davis catching a lot of balls. Chris Carson, the theoretical feature back. Uh, is there any chance that, that we see maybe the, the Seahawks start to trend towards Penny as the season closes out? Well, I think the bigger problem in this game, I mean, the first game back for Carson, they were able to survive with this type of trio in the backfield because the matchup was pretty good terrible matchup with Thomas Davis back. The Panthers have been much better against the run, save for carry on Johnson breaking a couple than they were before Davis was there. And I'm just afraid Seattle going on a cross-country trip falls behind a little bit, and Carson's workload may be in trouble if they're still splitting, chopping things up. Where, uh, how do you like Russell Wilson this week against Carolina, by the way? I, th- I can't tell if I... I think I was, I was looking at all y'all's rankings. I know you had him like 12. Dave and Jamie had him top top five or top eight that felt really high to me they they've been mocking me for the last couple of weeks and it's it, i i'm not going to rank a quarterback in the top five when he's had one game really where he ran the ball and he throws the ball 25 to 30 times a game and i don't think this is a very good spot for their offense so i've got him right around 12 you're probably still starting him but i would start Jameis winston over him would you start lamar jackson over 
No, Lamar Jackson is my f- second favorite streamer, but he is still down around the 15 range, still behind Russell Wilson. The only guys I'm really starting Lamar Jackson over, if you streamed Eli last week, I'd rather start Lamar Jackson this week. I'd rather start him than Stafford. I'd rather start him than Dak. But I don't, I'm not quite ready to put him in the top 12 consideration. Are you going to play some DFS lineups with, uh, with Lamar, you think? I think there's a very good chance of that. It's a very strong chance. It should be cheap. Um, okay, the te- you mentioned the Texans uh, in, in your things to watch for this week. Um, this is not an offense you want to be a part of. Not really. I, I like DeAndre Hopkins is obviously still fine. I'm a little worried. Kiki QT has looked awesome when he's played. I'm a little bit worried, though, about the fact that, I mean, you're talking about a, a conservative offense. They're throwing it 25 times or less each of the last four weeks. And so I am not wanting to start Deshaun Watson. I'd rather start Russell Wilson, who we were just talking about, than Watson. Uh, I don't think there's any reason, assuming that Blaine Gabbert is the quarterback, for them to open up the offense this week against Tennessee. Are you are you willing to drop Deshaun Watson at this point? I don't know if I'm quite ready to go that far. I think there are some better games on the schedule moving forward, but it it really depends on what type of league you're in. Who's the best quarterback on your waiver wire right now? Because there are some leagues like the ones we play in where there's always one or two good options available on the waiver wire. And then there's a lot of leagues where everybody's holding on to two quarterbacks. In that type of league, I'm probably not dropping Watson. I, I own him in a league where – oh, you're in the league, so I shouldn't ask you about that, I guess. But – um. It's, uh, I'm in first place, so I'm, I think I'm making the playoffs, but we drafted in June. I have Mahomes and Watson. I mean, I think I'm just riding, it's just a ride Watson this week and then go back to Mahomes, I think is the plan. But I, for me, the concerning part about Watson is that ever since that Dallas game, since when he got really banged up, they basically have limited him to like 25 to 30 passes a game because they don't want him throwing too many times. Exactly. Um, okay. That is, I believe that is all the questions I have for you. This is going to be a short podcast because as I mentioned, the wifi is spotty. Heath is working late. He wants to get home to see his family and get prepped for Thanksgiving. And you probably want to start drinking some beer. Heath, what uh, beers are you going to be drinking, um, over the course of the next two to three days? Well, over the ne- course of the next two to three days, I don't have necess- the name of all of them, but I had a listener from Iowa, a listener of the Fantasy Football Today podcast, which everyone should listen to and subscribe to. Send me 14 Iowa beers that I've never had before. Oh my goodness. And so I am very much looking forward to drinking those. I will say that since we last talked, I had another Brewdog beer that was just absolutely phenomenal. Which one was that? Because I've had, um, the El, let's see, I haven't had any Elvis juice. I brought a bunch of Brewdog to my brother, to my brother-in-law's house because I wanted him to try it. And because James, James Marks of Brewdog was so kind to send it. Um, I, I haven't tried the double IPA yet. I haven't tried this batch of Elvis juice yet, but everything, everything else I've had so far is great. Oh, I, I love the double IPA, but the albino squid assassin yes. was just absolutely outstanding. Yeah, the red IPA that was excellent. Um, all right, Heath, we're gonna try. You can't see me, but have you you haven't had hop, drop, and roll, have you? I have not had hop, drop, and roll. Okay, I will see if I can procure you some. You can only get it in the Charlotte area. It was a uh, a two thousand um two, I think it was two thousand sixteen World Beer Cup Gold Award for best IPA. So it's a pretty uh, pretty solid little effort here. All right, we'll get you out of this. Any um, give me some DFS names that when you're putting together a list. Just for the weekend where you're kind of thinking, all right, you know, like I'm like 
like Lamar Jackson could be one, but like some flyers or some upside outside of the big names, maybe some cheaper guys that can help you purchase uh, the 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 what not the Michael Thomas is the world because you play them on Thanksgiving, but you know some so like you want to you want to buy Antonio Brown, you know who who else is out there to help you make get some cheap plays. Well, I am definitely going to have uh, a lot of Jameis Winston lineups. He's 7,500 on FanDuel. I'm going to go right back to Carson Wentz at quarterback as well. Those will probably be the two quarterbacks that I play the most. Uh, Gus Edwards is 5,300. He's going to be so, so chalky, but I won't be, I won't be able to resist. Uh, and probably, I'm probably going to have some Josh Adams at 5,700. As well, so that's two running backs under six thousand. You know, it's a good week when you got a couple running backs under six thousand that you're excited to play. Uh, any wide receivers out there that are sort of flying under the radar, or just I mean, because I think like the like your preference is to go cheap running backs and then chalky wide receivers, or not chalky but expensive high end high volume wide receivers, right? Yeah, I mean there there are some cheap wide receivers. We talked about Kenny Stills; he's just fifty three hundred. I don't think I don't think that's a bad boom bust play. DJ Moore is at fifty eight. I like him quite a bit. Um, in the mid-range, there's not a ton that I'm really excited about playing. I want some T.Y. Hilton at 7,500 for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because there are two – because of the Thursday games, you've got two wide receivers at 8,500, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham. And then you've got A.J. Green at 8,000. Those are the only wide receivers on the slate at 8,000 or more. That tells me I'm probably going to just have a ton of Odell Beckham. All right, I like to hear that. Go big on the running backs on those. Go go cheap on the running backs. You can go big on those uh, wide receivers. Carson Wentz, Odell Beckham. You hope for a Giants uh, Eagles shootout. Heath Cummings, thanks for uh, as always, my man, for for popping in and, and hopping on the podcast. You take too much time out of your schedule for us, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving.